conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on The Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio addressing the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Well, Mike Lindell's 96-hour Thanksgiving Thanksathon is still going on as I state these words. It'll be ending in a few hours from now. I've tuned in frequently and watched as much as I could. It was a great telethon that included many powerful speakers and interviews on the subject of election integrity and also delving into related issues such as the Biden administration's vaccine mandates. If you haven't been watching, I recommend that you visit Lindell's website, frankspeech.com, and click on the links for the telethon uh, there presented. I'm sure there will be more in the coming days where they do recordings of – where they post recordings of what they had gone over. Uh, it will be a good way to look at it. Uh, the purpose of the Thanksathon was to present some of the mountain of evidence revealing massive election fraud that put Joe Biden and the Marxist cabal supporting him in office. Centerpiece of the telethon is, of course, the development of – or rather the – I guess there's a copy of the complaint – Bill of complaint for the lawsuit, which Lindell is hoping at least some of the states will sign on to, as they're the ones that have standing to file this before the court, uh, the Supreme Court. The lawsuit presents a great deal of evidence for election fraud and asks the court to set aside the results of the 2020 election. Lindell had originally intended to have the lawsuit filed November 23, but that did not happen. He said the AGs asked him for more time. And you'll hear a report uh, that they were uh, busy with uh, uh, dealing with the vaccine mandate for children. Uh, they're trying to fight that. Lindell states he will be spending the next few weeks trying flying around the country, continuing to meet with state's attorney generals about the lawsuit. And we'll hear him give more information about that in just a moment. Of course, all this has been condemned by the mainstream Marxist mouthpiece media and other supposedly elites of the country with the mainstream media largely refusing to cover the telethon and even establishment Republicans, such as the disgusting rhino, Republican National Committee Chairwoman Rona McDaniel, recently stating that Biden won. In a move, obviously time to cast doubt on Liddell's actions, declaring that although we should be allowed to talk about election fraud, gee, isn't that nice? McDaniel said, Quote, sadly, Biden won, close quote. Her words were trumpeted with glee by the likes of Communist News Network's Cretan Don Lemon. You see, even the head of the RNC now admits Biden won, the media mouthpieces spewed. It seems the Republican establishment doesn't want to rock the boat. Forget about truth. Forget about reality. Let's keep our places at the country club. Keep getting all that communist Chinese money. And try to get along with the hate-filled Marxist monsters hell-bent on radically transforming the USA. Well, many tens of millions of Americans don't see things that way. Before we go further into this subject, I want to mention the incident a few days ago in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where career criminal Daryl E. Brooks Jr. is alleged to have plowed his SUV into a crowd of people conducting and watching a Christmas parade. 
killing six of them and injuring, I think, about close to 50 more. Here's some audio from band.video on the incident. Play sound by one, please. The deadly attack killing and injuring Wisconsin children, the elderly, band members, and cheerleaders by an SUV during the annual Christmas parade in Wisconsin was the last thing America needed. Days after the Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal drove the hordes of Marxism back into the streets, the optics of the tragedy were nauseating and infuriating to most Americans. The single ambulance available in the city of Waukesha was dispatched to the parade scene, and they had to bring in ambulances from outside Waukesha. From the outset, the facts were hard to come by, even as the police held two press briefings revealing very little about the dead, the injured, the driver, and the details. The person struck by the officer was fired. That's still our investigation of how many are involved at this time. We're still working those details over. Immediately, leftist sociopaths began tweeting their twisted opinion of the horrific events. Some trolling that the driver was acting in self-defense, while others blamed white supremacy, claiming the driver was a white supremacist or was fleeing white supremacy. Meanwhile, the Mockingbird media diverted the narrative that was growing into a scenario far more sinister than the events of Charlottesville. I honestly don't believe that the intent of this driver was to target this specific event. Otherwise, he would have been uh, he or she would have been causing greater harm uh, earlier on throughout the uh, video when the SUV came up to the. Uh, marching band you could see that he tried to uh, he or she tried to position the vehicle more towards the left but again panic probably set in uh, hit the accelerator and we, we saw that tragic event in those victims uh, again not even know that that vehicle was coming towards them so the evidence is pointing more towards this not being a targeted uh, attack on this event itself and I think that should uh, you know uh, calm officials throughout the country that you know this isn't some sort of uh, directed attack towards you know holiday events. Right, because we know, too, not long after um, the first update, actually, that we got from officials there on the ground was that there was no ongoing threat. As eyewitnesses reported seeing a black man driving the SUV that plowed over predominantly white parade revelers. That's because I'm a, you know, a white guy out of Waukesha saying black guy did it. Okay. But this is what uh, her daughter said. Rick, I should inform you. It was a black guy with dreadlocks by himself. I don't know if you want to use that. Okay, well, listen, and, Rick. And I'm not, listen, hey, I'm a black guy, so I'm not, you know, saying that because I'm, a, you know, a white guy out of Waukesha saying black guy did it. Okay. While the left's rhetoric that dangerously leads all the way to the White House gradually became suspect in the whole debacle. But as the police scanner audio leaked info on social media. The driver turned out to be Milwaukee rapper Math Boy Fly. AKA Black male, late 30s, with a rap sheet of domestic abuse, including a felony for reckless endangerment. And before the media begins making excuses for Daryl E. Brooks, claiming that he was fleeing in panic and should not be regarded as a terrorist, numerous videos reveal that no police were pursuing him except for one on foot 
after he began driving over people. There was plenty of daylight. Brooks could see the women and children he was plowing over with the SUV. Brooks passed several streets that could have taken him far away from the crowd, and Brooks could have stopped the vehicle at any moment, or at the very least, driven it away from the crowd. But he kept on going, disregarding the innocent American lives that were beneath him. John Bound reporting. There you heard a good American of African descent uh, in that audio telling the truth about what he saw in the Waukesha tragedy. While the Marxist haters in the media continue to imply that the perpetrator was a white supremacist. Here's some more commentary on this incident from the Washington Times, uh, an opinion piece by Kelly Sadler on November 23. Quote, Career criminal Darrell E. Brooks Jr. has emerged as the top suspect accused of plowing his red SUV through Waukesha, Wisconsin's annual Christmas parade on Sunday, killing at least five people. That's now gone up to six, I understand it and injuring dozens of others, including children. But just last week, Mr. Brooks was released from Milwaukee County Jail on $1,000 bail for charges including battery, domestic abuse, reckless endangerment, resisting arrest, and bail jumping. In July of last year, Mr. Brooks was charged with reckless endangerment and possessing a firearm as a felon. In addition, he's a registered sex offender in Nevada. A background check from Wisconsin's Department of Justice came back with over 50 pages of charges against Brooks, stretching back decades, Fox News reported this week. Should he be found culpable of Sunday's atrocities, Mr. Brooks clearly didn't deserve to be back on the streets of Waukesha. And yet, there he was, mainly due to an approach pushed by district attorneys across the country, backed by liberal billionaire financier George Soros. An approach that champions such so-called criminal justice reforms as abolishing bail for hardened criminals. Milwaukee District Milwaukee District Attorney John Chisholm, one of the one of a number of DAs around the country whose campaigns Mr. Soros has helped bankroll, has worked for the past for the last fifteen years to change the city's approach to incarceration. In 2018, he tweeted how Milwaukee was making a commitment not to keep individuals held on cash bail in jail. When the pandemic hit, Sadler continues, Milwaukee's woke Community Justice Council recommended recommended criminals needed to be let out of jail immediately. The city obliged, reducing the jail population by about 40%. Mr. Chisholm has also used his Twitter feed to cheer on other Soros-endorsed district attorneys around the country, including San Francisco's Cheza Cheza Boudin. Mr. Boudin will face a recall election next year amid a popular backlash over rising crime rates within the city and a lack of prosecutors, close quote. Well, good luck on that recall. They tried to recall the governor recently in California, if you weren't aware of it, and um, that went down in flames supposedly. Folks, this is madman George Soros and his puppet Joe Biden's America. As Mike Lindell has pointed out numerous times, and again during his telethon, all our elections are now rigged everywhere across the country. So the radical Marxist purveyors of hate and destruction can do as they please, knowing that by and large, they will continue to be elected and reelected. Thanks to vast sums of money being poured into their campaign coffers by monstrous left-wing oligarchs like Soros and, of course, the nationwide rigged elections. Those behind the rigging are getting better at conducting their crimes and hiding them, 
but they still haven't completely perfected their treachery. During the recent recall election in California, leftist darling Gavin Newsom, who, by the way, is being touted as the, by the left as a possible presidential candidate, television viewers saw more than 350,000 votes for the recall suddenly disappear from the pro-recall vote column on television there. The Newsom recall was supposedly defeated 3 to 1, by nearly 3 to 1. But I suspect that were the elections in California not rigged, Newsom may well, may well have actually been recalled. Another highly suspicious action regarding the integrity of our elections was the recent re-election of leftist Democrat Phil Murphy in New Jersey. On election night earlier this month, Murphy's Republican challenger Jack Cittarelli was leading statewide, including in the state's largest county, Bergen, with 100 percent of the votes counted. Then suddenly in the middle of the night, some 40,000 new votes mysteriously appeared in Bergen, all reportedly for Murphy, propelling him to the lead statewide. Yes, it's true that there was a Republican sweep in the Virginia elections earlier this month, but as Lindell and others contend, the people behind our rigged elections allowed this to happen, to throw off public scrutiny into election fraud. Mike Lindell reiterated during his thanksathon that cyber attacks occurred in every state in the U.S. on and around Election Day 2020 and continue to happen where later elections have been held. Then we have the mass use of fraud-prone mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, lack of chain of custody, uh, elimination of voter ID requirements, and so on. All the other tricks and fraud used by the political left to win elections for the likes of Joe Beijing Biden and his ilk. Broadcaster Brandon House related during the Frank Speech Telethon that a former FBI official has declared that a Marxist clique has taken over our U.S. Justice Department and is working to remove those working there who do not follow the left's agenda. After 16 years of Bill Clinton's and Barack Obama's administrations and now Biden's, the left has been allowed to thoroughly infiltrate and infest our government institutions at the highest levels. It was also pointed out that former Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe has charged that corrupt CIA officials pressured CIA analysts not to report their findings and opinion that Chinese communists interfered with the 2020 elections. This is why I'm so worried and doubtful about our illustrious Supreme Court willing to even consider the lawsuit, assuming Lindell is able to get a sufficient number of states' attorney generals to sign on to it. Because they are the ones who would have standing to bring the lawsuit. Again, Lindell uh, – Lindell, l- well, let's listen to some audio from Steve Bannon's War Room program, November 26th, with his interview with Mike Lindell on the status of the lawsuit. Please send soundbite two, please. Mike Lindell, you heard Captain Keschel. He gave a uh, – he's gone through this in excruciating detail. He says you got a great case. What we don't have – is attorney generals, is that correct? Where, where do we stand with these AGs? Well, they, I told you, a lot of them called me for more time. We have only had one AG, and I, I met with them, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting, weeks after weeks here. Only one has turned it down, and that was Alabama. Uh, but I would like all of you out there, if you go to frankspeech.com, you can go right down the Supreme Court case. You can download it yourself, and you can look on there. And you, we have it all set up to email your attorney general. 
and you email your attorney general, there's almost 100,000 emails sent out, Steve. It's been great. I'm going to be, I've gave, most of them have said, Mike, let's get together after this Thanksgiving week. And uh, so I have many meetings set up for next week. And um, I would say, you know, Steve, they're, they're doing a lot of other things, but it all goes, the things they're doing, it all goes back to 2020, okay? It all goes back right here. We spent, uh, yesterday, we went through half of this. Yesterday, we had on all lawyers during our 96-hour uh, um, time. We went through half of this. We're going through the other half today. But we had three lawyers on yesterday, and um, it was, uh, they're all saying the same thing. That they, one of them, before, you know, kind of, kind of flipped and going, yeah, the states, all they got to do is pull down their electors because it was all done illegally. Let me ask you, how does, um, and, and here's the thing, If and we put the complaint back up. Let's get it back up so people can read it. And I strongly recommend over this next, this holiday weekend, please take some time and read the complaint that you're trying to get the AGs up for. The War Room Posse, the cadre of the War Room needs to be always ahead of it. You've got to read it. Uh, we'll make sure questions are answered early next week about it. You can go to Thankathon. We're going to cut out the parts where the lawyers are going through it in detail. You need to be armed with this. And this gets back to what Navarre did Thanksgiving weekend a year ago, what Keschel's done, what uh, what uh, what uh, Mike Lindell's done. Now, here's the interesting thing. A lot of the cyber stuff is actually put off to the side. This is focusing on the old-fashioned steel. And it's to me, it's amazingly compelling. Here's the question a lot of people ask me. How is Alabama... I would argue the most Trump of all Trump states. How is the good state of Alabama and the great folks down there? How do you have an AG that can read this, understand the impact? And you're right. When you're talking about they're spending time on the vaccine mandates and they're spending time arguing the Supreme Court, the railhead of all of it's 3 November. That's why we can't move forward till we get to the bottom of it. That's why the whole illegitimate regime is there and we're not going to get off. You can't go, the election is about the future. No. The elections are about the future that are inextricably linked to the past, and we got to take care of it. So, Mike Lindell, you got a minute here before we go to break. We'll hold you over. How is it right. that the state of Alabama, the attorney general there, is a pass? Well, it's like uh, they think there's no fraud in Alabama. I guess they're, they're very territorial there. I've met with them many times. Their secretary of state, John Merrill, we went down there. With, uh, we, there was a rally down there, and... Uh, one of the Alabama guy got up, got up there and said, let's put 2020 behind us. We'll get the house back in 2020. We got booed by 60,000 people. Now, Alabama, boy, I went Mo and met Brooks. with them. I showed, I showed them. The I showed them. Went through, we, did, we did. Went down there twice, showed uh, the Secretary of State all the evidence of Alabama. And they're going, we're not online. We're not this. And we, we have perfect things. I go, what do you mean right here? You don't. And so then, Steve... About four weeks ago, we found out we found out something that Alabama is different than a lot of other states. Them, South Carolina, and Arkansas—they have electronic polling books. They're online. Now in Alabama, it was far and wide, right down to the precinct level, and they don't even get it, or they don't want to look at it just because they were went red. A hundred and some thousand votes more would have been for Trump had they been uh, had it been a fair election. So Alabama, shame on you. Um, they uh they gave us just a quick no i don't even know if they looked at it steve they were they pushed it down the thing they were one of the last ones that we met with wow again as lindell says here you can go to frankspeech.com and send an email to your state attorney general urging them to take part in the lawsuit 
You can also see a copy of the full complaint there on frankspeech.com. Now let's listen to election integrity warrior Patrick Burns' commentary, November 24, on the lawsuit. His comments are distinctly positive in analyzing the lawsuit's complaint, again, which you can view on and download on frankspeech.com. Play soundbite three, please. Well, I have spent the morning reviewing the case carefully. What a case. This is the case to be followed with the Supreme Court. Yes, it was drafted by a private attorney. Wonderful fellow. Very powerful. But this has gone through the hands of a lot of AGs, attorneys general of different states. They have commented. It's been a collaborative effort and a very powerful case has developed. I would, if it were a boxer, well, and I... I pointed out in a tape la- uh, video last night, explained, look, it didn't get filed on Tuesday as we had expected. Something more important came up, to which I knew people were saying something more important came up than a Supreme Court case saying that the president is illegitimate. What could have been more important than that? Well, on Friday, the Biden regime began its vaccination mandates against children, and a whole bunch of states, AGs, have gotten together to file something to block that just as a few weeks ago, I think 27 attorneys general filed something against OSHA, which in fact got derailed in the fifth circuit. And I think now the sixth, which at least been considered in the sixth, let's uh, appellate, but the fifth appellate uh, just didn't just end the OSHA mandate. It spanked Biden regime behind called it outrageous constitutional overreach. So, the attorneys general suddenly, as of Friday, as of five days ago, had another issue on their mind. Their children in their state were going to start being forced to take a vaccine that many, many do not want. It's untested. The ramifications on children may be extraordinary, et cetera. So as intent as I am about election integrity, I agree that it was right of the attorneys general to put that other <laughs> issue in front of this, health of children, and getting a filing in response to this crypto-fascist instruction from the government is was the right right decision. That said, they are ready to turn back to this. I am told that there are at least five who are very much on board with this, taking it seriously, studying, still thinking about requesting. You know, so getting a whole bunch of AGs to work together and and finalize something like this. It's not the. I wouldn't say it's hurting cats. It's like hurting a you know grizzly bear this is the case that i wish could have been filed in december but it was not nearly enough had been developed it's greatly helped by the fact that all over in all these different states there have been all kinds of uh official unofficial and official investigations there was a special prosecutor in wisconsin who looked into stuff and stuff in georgia and of course the arizona maricopa audit these official uh, activities have surfaced all kinds of stuff that can be quoted and cited here, so it's not speculation. And the theory of the case is no longer one state, Texas, is suing other states for running crummy elections. Because, you know, I agree that that's a bit... Well, the, the, in December, the Supreme Court said that state doesn't have standing to do that. Uh, <coughs> this is quite different. These... States do have standing to sue the federal government, and they that's what they're saying here. They're saying the federal government uh, ignored its duties, did not fulfill its duties to us, 
to us individually and to the states. Why? Because the Constitution stipulates uh, a number of things of our federal officers that uh, the take care clause, which is that they will take care to see that the laws are executed faithfully. And in addition, the guarantee promises, uh, this Constitution promises to all of us that we will live in states with Republican forms of government. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean Republican Party. It means a, a small r Republican form of government, that there is voting. Uh, you know, I'm sure the court, but yeah, Rhode Island couldn't just declare itself a kingdom and get to stay within the United States. So uh, that duty they had to take care to see that laws were faithfully executed and uh, that members of the several states would be provided Republican form of government have clearly been abrogated in the case of five states. They leave Nevada out of this. I'm not sure why. But it's Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And believe me, so much has surfaced in those states that now makes up the material for this case that one can make a clearly convincing case that in each of those states... <clears throat> um, they violated their duty both to take care to see that laws were faithfully executed and to see that uh, that there was a fair election, which are two different things, but sort of on the same on the same direction. Uh, the Constitution is super clear. It's uh, Article One, Section Four, says that the manner and timing of elections will be determined by the state legislatures. Uh, there are all kinds of cases now, all, which that it is clear, uh, or examples where that is not what happened. And let me give you an example. In and they're very well documented here in a way that nothing had been teased out like this back in December. So here's an, a couple examples. In Wisconsin, the state legislature said, "This is how mail-in ballot ballot runs. You have to do this, this, this." You've got to request it. You, uh, you know, there's got to be this amount of verification and so on and so forth. The Wisconsin Election Commission illegally and feloniously, per the sheriff of Racine County, uh, in his investigation, just didn't just ignore those. They contradicted it. They gave instructions and sent letters telling people to violate the law. The Wisconsin Election Commission bureaucrats do not have the right to do that. They don't have the power to do that, to overrule the state legislature. How do we know? We go, if you play Monopoly and you have a dispute, you go look at the top of the box. In the United States, a dispute like that, you go and pull up the Constitution and you look at it. And the Constitution says the state legislatures determine the manner and timing of elections. And, you know, there's, this wasn't an accident. Our founding fathers understood a lot about corruption. And they understood that you could have state bureaucrats setting the rules, but that could lead to corruption. And you could also have it done the federal. They said the state legislatures set the timing and manner of elections. And guess what? When there are all kinds of ways where the uh, laws passed by state legislatures were completely ignored by election officials. Uh, you know, in other places, there's in some places they sent out seven million ballots when, by law, every single person has to ask for an absentee ballot. In one state, the they they just sent the secretary of state sent seven million ballots. The secretary of state doesn't have the authority to send a single ballot. Each county 
election person is supposed to send ballot and only when the voter requests, hey, I can't be there. I mean, you know, there's no provision for the secretary of state to just say, well, I'm going to send everybody in the state seven and a half million ballots. So that whole election is compromised that uh, that states and on and on through Pennsylvania. You know, Pennsylvania did something incredibly egregious where the state legislature said this is the cutoff for mail-in ballots and <clears throat> the state election bureaucrats decided to do something different. And the Supreme Court, Justice Alito, got involved and told them not to. And in the in the in the in the legal fold role, Pennsylvania said, well, let's just uh, the election officials said, well, what we'll do is we'll just segregate the ballots about which would the dispute would be. And then after the election, if this is an issue, we'll then continue and, and hear this case out. And Justice Alito accepted that commitment. And then the state election officials completely violated it and just smushed everything together. So there was no way to follow Justice Alito's order. So they gave the finger to a Supreme Court justice, just, just to be clear. And I mean, scoff law, scoff law. Um, I think Justice Alito must not have comprehended what he was up against, that anyone would be willing to do that. So state by state, this case goes through and says there is no constitutional basis. Those, those states' elections violated uh, their laws in a tremendous way, which means now, which means what? You get into what's the remedy? And there's, there's remedies argued for at the end where they're saying, look, you should set aside the election or you should redo the election or you should tell each state to recall its electors, do its own investigation, and then it's going to reestablish what its electors were that get sent. Uh, in any case, the decision of January 6th does not, uh, it violates the Constitution in a number of ways. It is not because by overlooking, by looking past this kind of malfeasance in the states, the federal government, and by Biden and Merrick Garland, do, who are both named in the suit, doing their not continuing the investigation and uh, fulfilling their obligation to uh, to provide for uh, uh, fair enforcement of the laws, etc. That the whole thing has to be is 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 junk, and we all know it's junk. 59, 60% of Americans know it's junk now. So it's a very powerful case. And like I say, it doesn't, it doesn't depend on razzle-dazzle. It just depends. It's, in some sense, it's an encyclopedia of what has been researched and discovered in all these different states since, since January. Some of them I'd forgotten about, but how totally corrupt the election was in five different places. I mean, you know... 300,000, 500,000, questionable, 700,000 and 68,000 in one place, in a place that, you know, Biden won by 11,000, you know. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a very powerful case. And what I like about it, it does not re rely on any, you know, let's say Rube Goldberg kind of, legal arguments. It does not re rely on a bunch of jujitsu. It does not rely on a bunch of really stretched things. It's just very workmanlike. It's Mike Tyson showing up 
in black shorts. He doesn't need any logos. He doesn't need nothing. He's just going to go about his job and go to work. And and in this case, you know, this case tears apart the election in five states and makes clear there's it's illegal and unconstitutional. It's illegal what they let happen in the states. It's unconstitutional to allow it to persist. And the federal government had made a contract with us and the states that it will provide for fair enforcement of the law. And every uh, every one of us gets to live in a Republican form of government, which does not happen when you clearly have the kinds of hundreds of thousands of Fugazi votes showing up in Pennsylvania. I didn't even know it was as bad as it was in Pennsylvania. I'd forgotten some of the things until I read this. So it goes through it for each state, what's been discovered, what the evidence is. And it isn't the drafter's opinion. These are, you know, remember these states have had a lot of, a lot of them, have, a number of them have had all kinds of internal investigations and special prosecutors and sheriffs looking at things and such. And they have reached determinations and published them. So it draws on those. So it has a, it has all the evidence that, that in December of last year was mathematical and in the mists, but not the kind of thing that was concrete enough for judges to bite their teeth and sink their teeth into. So I encourage you. I'll put the link in this message. I encourage you to go read the suit. It's very readable and nice education in itself. And it's had the input from from half a dozen attorney generals, attorneys general who are deeply involved in this case and from whom we still expect action once they get done today, making their filing, protecting their children from a clot shot. Uh, And, you know, if they don't get it in today, it's holiday. I think they had one week to respond and the Biden regime put it in on Friday and no one's going to be doing anything on this coming Friday. So they really... So it was right that they put it to the fore. But this, uh, having having made that filing, I can promise you there's a bunch of attorneys general who had a hand in drafting this and have had edits and, and so forth who are going to be turning their attention to this. And it's going to be uh, on you to help us to make sure they understand our citizens, good and true, think that they should be, you know, you read this case. Again, the link is down below. Read, the, the, read this case and... If you find it compelling, I want you, there's a very simple mechanism in the link I'm going to send you for you to send a note to your attorney general and get, don't, it doesn't matter what state you're in. Any honest attorney general has to, has to understand they, they have an obligation to, you know, it isn't about whether the Democrat and Republican, if this stuff stands, it's the end of the United States. We don't need to even dwell on that anymore. It's quite clear. And, uh, you know, I was saying that a year ago and it sounded far-fetched. Well, have you seen anything odd happening that you never thought you'd see in the United States? You know, the weaponization of, you know, the Department of Justice against parents who want to call their local school boards and talk about what's being, even just calling. Uh, I could make you a domestic terrorist. You ever think you'd see the Congress try to ram through something like H.R. 1 where they just federalize all the election law? That's odd. I thought there were well-established constitutional principles that uh, against that, uh, or just completely change the electorate by, you know, or or or. So, uh, if a year ago I, I had said this is a coup and they're taking over the United States and changing it so it can never that that struck people as far fetched. Uh, I hope that now a year later that doesn't, you know, it's it's trivially true, trivially obvious, uh, trivially obvious to notice.
like I said, Byrne and others reviewing the bill of complaint have confidence that this lawsuit makes a powerful legal case for overturning the 2020 election. I'm still reviewing the complaint myself, but my concern is with the Supreme Court. We all saw the court shoot down, that is, refuse to even consider Texas AG Ken Paxton's suit brought shortly after November 2020 and challenging the election results. His suit was joined by 17 other states, but to no avail, as all but two of the justices, Thomas and Alito. Thomas, by the way, should be the current chief justice, in my opinion, but anyway, <coughs> excuse me. All but Thomas and Alito voted against accepting it. <clears throat> now, Burns says, oh, well, there was more speculation than – well, sure, but they were they already knew at that time that there was a lot of hanky-panky that went down, there was a lot of corruption, and it was it would have come out. And Thomas and Alito said, we need to we need to take this case, but they the rest of the court refused it. So I don't know. Lindell and his team and supporters contend the only way to avoid election cyber attacks is to do away with electronic voting machinery. And today on his telethon, he was supposed to have presented a path for doing that. Uh, I have not seen that as of yet, but uh, I'm going to go back and try to look at it, and maybe we'll have a discussion about that later. But that's just the cyber attack aspect of it. There's all this other fraud, too, that we're dealing with. Again, I urge anyone concerned about the future of this country to go to frankspeech.com in the coming days and look over what was presented during the thanksathon, including the bill of complaint. And don't forget to send an email. It's all set up for you to do it. You can add your own comments if you want. I, I've already done that. And, uh, but you know, you, it's easy if you just want to go ahead and send this prepared text. You just click on a link, and you send an email to your attorney general urging them to join the lawsuit. In an online discussion of the high court's refusal to consider election fraud, someone commented, their lives are at stake, meaning the justices. Hell, all our lives are at stake. We will soon see if the people appointed to uphold our constitution and with it our culture and civilization are going to stand up and be true to the oath of office they took. Well, that's a wrap for another show. As always, we hope you found the content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com in the next few days. Look for us again in this same time slot two weeks from now. Have a great rest of your day and evening.